0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com very tough to follow, Charlie Harari. I happen also to be a Yankee Giant fan. But you got to be careful talking in Chicago about this, Charlie. These are are big sports fans. You said Boston. I was scared you were going to say Chicago. So, Baruch Hashem. Anyway, it's a great, great honor. It really is. I love coming to Chicago. Usually I'm here when it's very, very cold. Um, the energy in this room is amazing I would first like to, to thank Dovid and, and Shira Chepelowitz For uh, making this happen And making me always feel very at home And specifically you'll understand This at the end of tonight's speech um, Shira putting together At the last moment All those pink and whites whatever Don't even try to figure it out I'll explain it to you later um, I'd also like to thank um, Barack and Ilana Um Also, you know, partners with them and and always making us, you know, the Bevers making us feel very, very much at home. And and the Mashiach family for, um, that's where I stayed today. I got three hours of sleep and a good shower. So thank you very much for your home. And of course, our Kharazatobah, you know, I speak about it a lot. Tonight I'm going to take you on a little bit of a, I'm going to ask you to do something that's very hard, but extremely powerful. And I'm always looking for a way on the Yem HaDin For us to be able to answer the Satan, the makatri Who wants to destroy us and hurt us And it's really a very scary day in a way it's, um, it's a day of Chesed, Hashem builds this world every single year, a new world But at the same time, in a new world Like if you have a house and you have a couch that broke And one of the legs broke off so you put a foam, You know, a nice phone book underneath it But when you move That couch doesn't go into the new house You look for a new couch So when people move You always see in the front of their house Like a container With all this furniture And I'm wondering like Why are they putting all the furniture in the container Like they've been living with, with this furniture for 20 years And the answer is We're moving into a new house This furniture doesn't fit with the new house. This is an old couch with a broken leg. So Rav Shem, Shem says that the chesed Hashem does on Rosh Hashanah that He builds a new world, every single world. At the same time, there's din. And the din is, it's a new world, so it gets new furniture. So you're part of that new furniture. Or you're the old furniture. So that's why we find that when they blow the shofar, you have tekiah, shvaram and teruah tekiah, and are broken sounds. You're crying. You're broken, right? Shvarim is like vei, ayve ayve. Trua ay is when a baby cries. They can't catch their breath. So like, ah, ah, ah. That's the trua sound. It's a neshama crying hysterically. At the same time, on the ends of the shvarim and trua, there are always two tikkias. And the tikkia is the sound of heralding the king. Tikkia is not a sad, a, a sad sound. They use tikkias to. To go to war, they use tekiyas to open the base hamigdash. The tekiya is a is a is a sound of chesed, of greatness, of awe. Never is there a shvarim and a trua. Is there a broken soul without having two chesed on both ends? So the same day, that's a big yontif because it's a new creation. Automatically, that new creation causes din are we going to be part of the new furniture or are we going to be put on the side of the road so tonight I'm going to give you a way a thought and if we're able to do this we'll definitely be brought into Keshbahu's new world and I think it's very important I spoke about this in LA and I spoke about this in Queens and I'm, I'm listening to Charlie and I'm, 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 I'm a speaker so I know the energy in the room and the energy room is amazing but the problem no matter how much myself and Charlie and all the other speakers and the tapes and speak, if you don't turn the speech and the knowledge, you don't take it from here, not even to here, but to here, to Misa, to action, it's worthless. I once gave a speech in Arnava, there were 500 girls at that speech on a Wednesday night. And I was hammering technology. I was hammering Facebook. I mean, you know, I don't do that very often, but every once in a while hammering Facebook, hammering iPhones I was, and you know, you know when you speak you know if you're good, you know when you're on I was on, I was on fire and I finished the speech and I had all these stories and it just, it was just, it just was amazing and the girls themselves said like, wow we never heard you speak like that it was amazing I'm like, okay, 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 no one leave no one leave, everybody sit down they're like well sit down they all sit down I had a garbage bag next to me it's a true story I said listen you enjoyed what I said you took it seriously all the warnings and the dangers and the wasting of time when time is life because listen ladies and gentlemen really what you're looking for in Rosh Hashanah what you're asking for is time you're looking to buy time you're looking for a quarter in the meter because if you don't have life if you don't have time you don't have life if you don't have life who cares about health who cares about kids? Who cares about marriage? Who cares about money? Who cares about anything? If you're not alive, you don't care about any of that. So all the other stuff, all the details, all that stuff doesn't happen if you don't have time. So really what you're looking for in Rosh Hashanah is a kush Baruch give me a year, give me time. Time is life, that's why it's called, we all know it's called the present because it's a great present in the world and my whole thing about technology is not even from kite it's just the waste of time so I hate to tell you this but one of the judgments on Rosh Hashanah is going to be how much time you spent on your phone this year because Hashem gave you a certain amount of minutes and they're going to look at your minutes You gave you a certain amount of minutes how many minutes did you use wasting time it's part of the din you asked for time so the actual judgment on Rosh Hashanah is you asked for time I gave you time what did you do with that time so that's what the whole judgment is about it's all about time so I was on fire and I was telling the girls I'm like you're seminary girls five hours on the phone six hours on the phone go help a third grader who's who's struggling in school give her, give her some time become her tutor so she'll do well you'll save her whole life I deal with kids who have low self-esteem who end up in the worst places who end up killing themselves because of what they went through in life and one seminary girl would have given this kid two hours a week This kid would have been walking around. Hey, Hani comes to my house. And she's a seminary girl. And she's wearing this badge. And I'm like, which girl in this room doesn't have two hours to tutor a second grader in math? And you're on your phone and you're watching movies? The dean is time. So Hashem could say, you asked for a year with your family, you weren't with your family. You went out to eat. You're on your phone. You have time to be with your wife. You weren't with your wife. Your head was always everywhere else. It's MS. It's DIN. The whole Rosh Hashanah is about time. Chaim is about time. So Charlie was saying well, about BB. Would you have to stand on Rosh Hashanah and say, Hakkadish Baruchub? It's about the moment. That's what he said. It's about the moment. It's about the present. It's about the moment. You wasted the moment and another moment and another moment. And you want me to give you a moment? So you have to stand on Rosh Hashanah and say, You're right. I want a million moments this, this year. And I'm not going to waste them and I want to use them for the right thing. So I told this group of girls it's Wednesday night my next year is next Wednesday night come up and put your phone in the black bag and put a piece of tape with your name on it I promise you I'm going to take it home and next Wednesday night I'm going to give you back your phone a week without a phone so whoever thought I really spoke well come up and put your phone in I'm like that I challenge you 500 girls not one and everyone's looking at the next one well if she does it maybe I'll do it and finally Baruch Hashem this one girl like all the way in the back says I'm giving up my phone and I'm like yes because once one's going to do it everyone's going to be like her so she comes up front and she drops her iPhone into the bag and she's all flushed her whole face is all red I'm like I'm so proud of you and she goes well I really have to tell you the truth I'm like sure I have two of them <laughs> true story 500 girls, great speech unbelievable, we loved what you said you were great, we understand what you're saying all here nothing here so I started my speech in L.A. and in Queens and I'm like, myself and Charlie are not here to entertain If we wanted to entertain, we'd go on I don't know if i would make it to Broadway exactly but maybe way off Broadway Way off We're here to give physics so that you take that chizik and you make a change So the change I'm going to ask you to make tonight is tough The Marines are tough This is tough and this is what I'd like you to do it's a share called when right is wrong and wrong is right we as human beings like to be right we don't like to be wrong and many times in Shalom Bayez a husband and a wife have an argument and they'll go two, three hours and he's trying to prove his point And she's trying to prove her point. But he's smarter than her. He's more intelligent. And guess what? After two hours, he proves that he's right. And she walks out of the room and she's like, You know what, Chaim? I feel very bad. I'm wrong. And he's like, That's right. You're wrong. Is he right? Or is he wrong? the woman that he loved, the woman that he married, he just made her feel so miserable. He just made her feel so wrong. Is that right? Or is that wrong? Even if he was right, had he told her, you know what, I hear what you're saying, you have a good point, even though he knows he's right. You happen to be right. And she's like, it's about time you realize I'm always right <laughs> and the first moment he hears that I'm a guy and anyone hears that it's like oh I shouldn't have listened to Wallace Steve. this feels disgusting because I'm right and then a moment after that it becomes extremely empowering I knew that I was right and it was more important to me that my wife feels good than me being right I am Superman <laughs> believe me you're Superman and vice versa ladies ladies also like to be right you don't always have to be right and we have this problem with our children I have men that learn with their sons they kill them the kid comes home and he says Rashi and the father's like what are you talking about you don't understand the sign Rashi at all you learned this so wrong what are you doing? You think your kid wants to learn with you anymore? Do you want to learn with someone who always proves to you that you're wrong? Who wants to learn with such a man? Who wants to do homework with a mother that always proves to me that I don't know what I'm doing and my paper's sloppy and my handwriting is disgusting and I, I'm not as smart as I'm supposed to be? Who wants to have a relationship with such a person? So when I gave this shit to my class, my boys are like, But Rebbe, right is right! if you're right you've got to stand up for your right so it's very nice you want to tell that to the girls she told me but you can't tell it to us if you're right you're right I said really really so I'll tell you not Chazal the Torah listen to this Hashem comes to Avraham Avinu he says Avraham you're going to have a child Avraham says nah 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 I'm too old Hashem goes to Sarah he says to Sarah you're gonna have a child. She says, even if I became young, Edna became a young woman, my husband's much too old to have a child. <laughs> it's in the I'm not, I'm not making any drushes. Hashem comes back to Ramavina. Brahm's like, so what did Hash what did Sarah tell you when you told her she's gonna have a child? She laughed. Why did she laugh? Because she said she's much too old to ever have a child. I'm, I'm, I'm in a room and I got to be careful. I want, like I want to be good on Rosh Hashanah, so I'll say it nicely. Hashem told a little bit a non-truth. Actually, he told a huge non-truth. Can't use the word "lied" when it comes to God. But the bottom line is That's not what Sari Amenu said Sari said He's too old Hashem said to Avram Avinu Sari said She's too old Why? Because if Hashem would have told Saru, uh, Avram Your wife said you're too old It would have caused the achlekes So Hashem changed the truth So if Shem Shem Pink is asked How could that be? Hashem can't change the truth He's a being of truth It's very nice He doesn't want to cause them achlekes He can't change the truth Hashem is MS. And if he's MS, Abram Avinu said, what did she say? Hashem has to say what she said. And he should have said, don't let it bother you. You yourself said you're too old. Hashem had a way out. Because Abram said he was too old. So what are you upset about? You said you're too old. It's so a big deal. No, a man can say he's too old, but he doesn't want his wife saying he's too old. So guys and girls, how does Hashem, how did you learn this? How does God tell an untruth? The Territz is amazing. MS is Shalom. Sheker, truth, is peace. Sheker, falsehood, is Machlokes. So we look at the product of this statement. In the spiritual world, it's not the truth of what happened physically. In the spiritual world, it's the product. And if the product causes shalom, it's MS. And if the product causes machlekes, it's sheker, even though in the physical world it's the truth. Yes, I said this about the rabbi. And yes, I called the big machlekes in the shul. But what do you want from me? It's what he said. It's true. You cause machlekes, in the other world it's sheker. So when Hashem said that she said this, even though in the physical world, the words were an untruth but what it caused was shalom bias between Avraham and Sarah that is MS and if the truth in this world the actual words cause machlekes it's out. whoa so that means that if me being right because that's the truth I'm right causes you pain I'm wrong, and me being wrong, and that causes you no pain and pleasure and happiness. I am so right. There is an amazing story. I love this story because I meet a lot of people that you know are not religious and they just they don't know and they're serving Hashem with all their love. This is a crazy story that happened in the Times. Of the Arizal. And there was this peasant, he knew nothing about halach, he knew nothing about mitzvahs, and his wife kept pushing him, go to shul, go to shul, go to shul, he's an old man, finally he goes to shul, on a Friday night he comes to shul, the rabbi's are getting up and the rabbi's speaking, and it's the of the lechem upon him, and the rabbi's like, in the times of the Beit Hamidosh, there were these twelve breads and they were warm, and it, it, it lasted from one Shabbos to the other Shabbos, but now that we don't have the Beit we don't have the shulchan, we don't have the lechem upon him. And this this peasant doesn't, he hears this story, and he comes home to his wife and he says, Rivka, oh my God, you're not going to believe it. The rabbi got up today, you know what he said? He said that God, the Beis HaMikdash destroyed 2,000 years, God hasn't eaten in 2,000 years, he's starving. They used to give him these 12 loaves of bread every single week, and now there's no Beis HaMikdash. Hashem is starving! We have to do something! She says, okay, let's bake him 12 challahs. He says, yeah, but how are you going to give it to him? He says, you know what? When I was in the synagogue, I saw there's an ark behind him. And and, and it's like a holy place where they keep the Torahs. Let's take the 12 breads and put it in the ark and Hashem will eat it. You think so? I don't know. Let's try. So these two Amoratsim, these two peasants living out in the field, collected their flour and their eggs and they made their challah you can imagine this lady Thursday a whole day they're baking challah it's for Hashem; he's so hungry oh yeah, the poor God right and they bake these 12 challahs and they're hot and he puts them in a bag and he's like okay but no one's allowed to know that we're feeding God because if we they find out we're doing it they're all going to do it so we're not going to tell anyone so at 4.30 in the morning he calls into the shul and he takes the 12 challahs and he puts it in the Oran kodesh, and he closes it and the next day around 5 o'clock 2 hours before Shabbos He comes sneaking into Shul, and he opens the Arna Kodesh, and it's gone. The chalos are gone. And he's like, yes! I should have ate the chalos. It's unbelievable! Meanwhile, what he didn't know was that morning, the Shabbos walks into Shul, Friday morning, it smells like a bakery. And he's looking around, what's going on here? And he's looking, and he's looking, of course, he's not looking at the Arna Kodesh. Finally, his nose leaves him to the Arna Kodesh. He opens up the Arna Kodesh, 12 hot chalos. And he's like, oh my, there must be a big tzaddik living in the city who wants to give the poor people challah, And he doesn't want anyone to know. So he's giving matam tzaddik, and they give the 12 challahs to the poor people. This guy thinking, Hashem ate it. He comes home to his wife, he's like, the challahs are gone, Hashem ate it. We are, we are, we are we're, 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 we're like the kohanim. We are, we're going to take care of Hashem, we're not going to tell anybody. And the Ariya Kodesh writes in his Kitzvah Ari, that this goes on for a year, for a year. And one day He sneaks into the shul On a Thursday night Like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning Like he always did With his 12 chalas And he goes up to Arna Kodesh And he's about to put him in And he doesn't realize That the rabbi Had gotten up early that morning And he's sitting In the women's section He's learning And he sees this man Coming up with a bag Thinking he's going to steal The Sifrei Torah The rabbi comes running out And he starts screaming You thief! Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you by the Arna Kodesh? I'm calling the police! He's like No, 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 rabbi! It's, 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 it's Yanko, the peasant. What are you doing? He says, Rabbi, you promise you won't tell anybody? No, I won't tell anyone. What are you doing? He says, well, I was about your speech and you said that God used to have these chalas. And I know Hashem was starving and me and my wife, don't tell anybody, but we've been feeding God for the last year. And I was like, what? Yeah, we've been feeding God. See, we put in the and so then we come back next Friday and it's gone. Rabbi, it's all secret. And the rabbi looks at him and says, you apikurus you fool are you out of your mind you think God eats bread you think God is starving for 2000 years you think you and your wife and you put this foolish stupid bread in the you, what? what is wrong with you you apikurus go home but, but Rabbi I came every Friday and, and and the bread was gone I'm telling you you don't you don't understand? He goes, No, I do understand. We've been giving that bread to the poor people for the last year. What? Yeah! We've been giving it to the poor people. Go home! Maybe you should learn a little bit. Maybe that you'd understand that God doesn't eat bread. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes home. He's broken. Can you imagine thinking you're feeding God? Finding out that you're just a fool? He goes home to his wife. He says, stop, stop we're not doing that anymore she says what are you talking about she says I met the rabbi (laughs) God doesn't eat bread what do you mean but the bread was gone yeah they were giving it to the poor people too they sat there they were broken broken people writes the kiss of he writes that that Friday night he had a dream and the malach the malach from Mamasha crossed from the from the the curtain that separates where God sits and the rest of the world and the malach from the other side tells that in the dream he says tell this rabbi that broke the hearts of these two peasants, that he will die a terrible death this Shabbos. He will not live through Shabbos. And tell him, this is Akchotian writing, this is what he wrote. The Malach told the Arizal and tell him that a Baruch Hu said that since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash he has no enjoyment from this world until this year. And for the last year, it was like he had a Beis HaMegdash, ki Reach Nichoach li. What these per- people did with their bread was a Reach Nichoach for me, like the Ketores that burnt in the Beis HaMegdash. And he died. And the rabbi died, that Shabbos, writes Derizel. Now let me ask you something. Was the rabbi right? was the rabbi wrong? Does God eat food? Is God starving? Is God human? Does he have a stomach? The rabbi was right. In fact, maybe he did the right thing because if he would have been nice, they would have told other people that all of a sudden, Friday, there'd be people bringing, you put the fish, putting in the Arna dish for Hashem to eat. And the lady would bring soup and there'd be and there'd be kugel. And all of a sudden, the dish would be... Take out. And everybody thinks, yeah, I gotta feed Hashem. So maybe the rabbi was a tzaddik, and he did the right thing. He stopped a new craze, a new religion, feeding God. To fight the fight is Die a terrible death? Why? He was right. You broke the hearts of two people who served Hashem with love? You're right, but you're so wrong and you're going to pay so much. But let's go to the other side. Two amaratsim baking bread for God. Blasphemy. Maybe Abay I, I don't even know what it was. Two ignorant people who knew nothing. And Hashem, God of the world, says that in two thousand years, with all the tzaddikim learning Torah and yeshivas and making brachas and all the front people and everybody keeping the Torah, I have no enjoyment from this world until two people came along who knew nothing, who were wrong, and they gave me the first enjoyment in two thousand years. But they were wrong, Hashem. They were wrong. You're not hungry, and you don't give you bread. They were wrong, and Hashem saying, "That's right. They were wrong." But they did it for their love for me. That makes it right. In Shemayim, the product, makes it MS. Those twelve breads to Hashem was the shulchan in the base hamidosh. It made it MS. We're so busy about being right. Because I'm right, we don't realize how many people we hurt. And how many times we can say we're wrong. I'm not talking about impasketing halacha. And all these fights that I deal with, they're so unimportant. And it's so hard what I'm telling you to do. Trust me, I'm I'm not giving you an easy job. It's so hard, you'll see. You're sitting here like, oh, I could do that. Oh, when you're in that argument. (laughs) I'm... Wrong is a huge word. Doesn't fit in my mouth. It's too big. Right's a little teeny word. Fits perfectly. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Wrong, doesn't, doesn't come out. You know, guys, wrong is too big and I'm sorry it's too big. Big words. Little mouth, big words. They don't come out. So what happens if we're macabre on ourselves that it's not about me being right or wrong. It's about not hurting somebody else. It's about many, making somebody feel good. When the satan comes to Dinan, Rosh Hashanah against us, and it's a tax audit, and we owe so much, we owe so much the Kersatot to Hashem, you really can't come out of this tax audit winning. You can't. So the Satan's going to stand in front of Hashem and say, Alright! They deserve, she deserves, he deserves punishment, this, that, this, and the other thing. I'm the lawyer. I'm right. I have the proof. Here, I have all the numbers. Hashem's going to say, but you see, the person that you're right about, in their life, the way they live, right or wrong is not important. So in their judgment, right or wrong is not important either. That Satan's right just gets blown away. Because everything on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and everything Hashem does is just something that God does. Is me the Kenege me So when you're right and you can break yourself to make the other person feel good, even if it's right and you don't deserve what, you're spo- what you want to get, because Bokhu could say, she or he, it's not about being right, it's about helping other people. So you know what? In their judgment, even though you're right, they deserve this, that, and the other thing to be punished. Right or wrong means nothing. Because right or wrong means nothing to them. All they want to do is to make sure that the other person feels good. And if you start doing this, you will find out stuff that you never knew, because I started working on myself doing this, you'll find out that you've been re- trying to prove yourself right to your wife, to the people at work, to the guys you learn with, to your kids. You don't realize how argumentative we are to prove that I'm right. You don't really know the Gemara. That's not who said it. The other guy said it. So let him think that's who said it. You Let the kids feel good about himself. Stop r- ripping them apart. And Baruch Hashem, I prepared this year in the nine days, right before the nine days, because I knew that I had a lot of speeches to make and I'll tell you how I used to share I gave a share in the 9 days before Yom Kippur Tuesday before Tishbeve Tuesday night before Tishbeve and I I'm, I'm talking about the Holocaust I I am what everything that we lost and our problems with marriage and our problems having kids and, and 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 anorexia and and everything and, and depression and kids going off the derech and drugs and suicide ah it's Tishbeve and I give you my Tuesday night share and there were guys in my share that were crying there was a the point It was, it, of course start the started to work that the camera didn't work that night so I didn't get on the Torah any time there were guys who were crying in my share I was crying when I was telling all this terrible story from the Holocaust and we're all crying there's this new kid who came to my Tuesday night share and he comes over to me after the share you have to understand after a share I'm all fired up I'm all emotional and he comes over to me and says Rabbi Wallstein do you mind if I ask you a question? I'm like sure and the whole share is whole still in the room and he looks at me, now everyone here knows how I feel about technology, right? He looks at me with an innocent face, he was a really innocent question, he says, Robert Wallenstein, could you tell me, so you were talking at the end, you made a bracha and you said that there's Rat Hashem, there should be no more Tisha Bugs, and the third base Hamidus should be built. Can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. Do you think there's gonna be Wi-Fi in the base Hamidus? And exactly what you just did is what my whole shared there went like, uh-oh that's not a good question to ask Rabbi Wallerstein after a Tisha B'Av and the blood in the back of my head is like oh my God is this guy over, out of his mind I'm talking about the Holocaust destruction death pain and he and I'm talking about the third base I'm English, and he's like it's going to be Wi-Fi like my iPhone's going to work if I wouldn't have prepared this year I don't know what I would have said but he would have never come back again I can tell you that much it's like Wi-Fi and I looked at him and I said you know Chaim I have to tell you something for many years I've been wondering because when you look at the Navi and Gog Mugog it talks about wagons and, and camels and like we're the cars and the planes in the Navi right so I've been wondering when Mashiach comes it's like all technology is going to be wiped out it's like God going to be Move the earth a little bit So all the satellites are out And no phones work Like What is he going to do What, what, what exactly is going to happen In earth Are we going to be walking In the huts of Bethlehem With phones what, what, What's going to happen I said, I really, ha- I really don't know What's going to happen To technology And there's no Rav That ever got up And said What's going to happen To technology When the Bethlehem Is built no, Nobody really knows I remember my Rebbe said By the Tower of Babel so how did they build such a high tower? So he said that there was a, a, a rule that said that what Hashem do to stop the building? He mixed the languages, right? So he said, well, that was, they, were, they were using computer language. They were building a spaceship. That's what he said. And they were using computer language. When he mixed the languages, the spaceship would not work anymore. Like, whoa, technology then. Then Hashem destroyed the world. Technology disappeared. Now we're all back. So I said, Chaim, I, said, I really don't know. You're asking a good question. Forget about Wi-Fi. Cars, planes, technology. I don't know. I don't know because the Navi doesn't talk about it. I said, it was a very good question. The guys were like, Rebbe, are you drinking? Like, what's... Like, he didn't rip his head off? Chaim hasn't missed my Tuesday night share since then. So, right? A Tisha Boshir? You're worried about Wi-Fi? Are you out of your mind? It would have been so wrong, ladies and gentlemen. The right thing was to say, good question. We have to think about it. When a kid asks a question, a Rebbe knows, good question. We have to think about it that's a midah that we have to work on it's very very hard but if you could pull that off it's going to be such a game changer and it's so hard in the beginning it's like I don't know why I'm doing this it's so empowering to say you're wrong when you're right more empowering than saying you're right when you're right so I want to there's a Gemara there's a Gemara there's a Gemara Gemara in He's walking in the street. They're taking a little calf to be shechted to go to shallots, right? It's going to be a veal, a veal chop for I've lost him tomorrow, right? And they're walking this little calf and the calf goes underneath Rabbi Yehuda jacket and it starts to cry. And Rabbi Yehuda Anassi, you can look at the Gemara and pay, Hey, Rabbi Yehuda says, Zil, get out of here. That's what you're created for. You're a, you're a calf. You're created to get shechted and be put in the chola. What are you crying about? Says the Gemara, for 13 years, he was in so much pain when he went to the bathroom that the sailors on the sea heard of you and Nussi screaming. So he must have been a a, a 13-year kidney stone. You can't even imagine such a thing. Such a pain, such a punishment. The Gemara says, why? Because you didn't have Rachmanus on that little calf. What do you mean Rachmanus? You were taking him to Shech. What kind of Rachmanus? What should I do? Right? He said, I think it's very empowering. This is what you created for. you. Baruch Hashem. Thank Hashem. Punishment? Says the Gemara? Because in Shemayim they said... You're right, but you're wrong. You should have Rahmanis. Stop with it a little bit. You know, don't tell it to go away. Maybe tell it, you know, it's okay. I'll walk you to the Shechita. Maybe say, I'll be the Shechet. He didn't have compassion for an animal that was going for Shechita. So was he right? He was right. What, what, did he get punished? Yes, because he was wrong He didn't have Rachmanus We see this all over the Torah Adam was right He said gave me the to eat He didn't have gratitude So he was wrong We see this all the time So I want to end with this Actually with two, two stories Actually it's a pink and white story Which is off the charts And everyone when you leave tonight There's a pink and white outside a little pink and white For you to take home Well not to take home Actually to make a bracha For those who don't know what I'm talking about This is what a pink and white looks like. You know, a little pink and white. What's the story with a pink and white? So I gotta tell you a crazy story. I don't think I've said this story maybe in 20 years. So as a little boy, I was in camp. Well, I'll tell you how I know the story, but I'll tell you the story. So this is a guy. His name was Judah. He was not from a Frum family, superstar basketball player. Superstar. And he used to go to like Torah, and he became very friendly with this rabbi his Rebbe sort of whatever, but he wasn't religious. The guy was an amazing basketball player because of him. His high school was winning one championship after another. He's in 12th grade. The biggest game of the year is on Rosh Hashanah. He didn't keep Shabbos or anything. Biggest game is on Rosh Hashanah. Not only that, there are college scouts that heard about him that are coming to this game and they're playing for the championship. I think it was in New Jersey. And this guy Judah, he's all psyched up for the games on Rosh Hashanah. So he calls the rabbi, and he says, you know, for the last couple of years, I came to your house for Shoshana, you took me to the synagogue to hear that shofar, but this year I can't make it because the, we're, 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 practicing our practices in the afternoon, and that's when you, that's when you're doing the shofar, I can't, I can't make it. And the rabbi's like, listen, so if you can't make it, just come to my house, and, uh, you know, there's a break between Shabbos and Musaf you come to my house at 11.30, and, and, uh, and we'll talk, and I'll give you a bracha, and we'll dip the apple in the honey, Okay, at least something. You should have some feeling. Rosh Hashanah. He says, "Okay, Rabbi, but you, I, I can't stay. I, I'm telling you right now." So the guy takes his bicycle, he goes up to the rabbi's house, and he comes down. And he sits down by the rabbi, and he starts to talk. The rabbi says, "Okay, I'm going to go in the kitchen. Let me just get, you know, put some stuff together. We're going to do the apple and the honey. We're going to do the carrots. We'll just see money. We're going to do the head of the fish. We're going to, you know, I just want you to know, feel like this is Rosh Hashanah." Okay. So the rabbi's in the kitchen. The rabbi's in the kitchen. The rabbi's in the kitchen. Finally, the rabbi comes out of the kitchen. He says, "Okay, let's, you know, dip the apple in the honey. Dip the apple in the honey." He says, "You know what? I, I don't even have time for this. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta. I, I, I can't be late to this practice. You don't understand? The scouts, scouts, college scouts. I gotta go." So he runs out of the rabbi's house. The rabbi says, "Okay, no, next year." He runs out of the rabbi's house, gets onto his bicycle. He's going now to the practice. He's riding his bicycle. He's all excited. He's got all his head. He's going to be an NBA superstar. He was a superstar. And all of a sudden, he's going across the road. He thought it was a. Re- he thought that the traffic had a red light, but the traffic did not have a red light. He had a red light, and he's going across the road. All of a sudden, ah! boom! cracks into the into the asphalt right he's laying there and he's trying to move his body he can't move his body he's trying to move his hands he can't move his hands and there's people walking by and they're like oh my god I never saw anything like this he's like come on what are you talking about he's having an out of body experience he's like what are you talking about I'm fine I can talk I can move but he's not moving and he's not talking and all of a sudden they take him and they bring him to the hospital and they bring, it's, it's a little bit of a gory story but it's a, it's a crazy story I'll tell you who told me the story anyway they bring him to the hospital and they're trying to keep him alive and they're trying to keep him alive and he doesn't make it and they cover up his body in the emergency room and he keeps thinking that he's alive because he's still out of his body, right above his body and he keeps saying, why aren't you guys talking to me? Why are you covering me? What are you doing? This is crazy I bet you it's the competition, they set this whole thing up, I'm not really dead, they want me to think I'm dead and he's going crazy and all of a sudden his mother and father come, they're screaming and they're yelling and they're crying he's like, mom, dad, I'm not dead, I'm okay what are you crying for? I'm alright, talk to me, talk to me and he's, becoming, he's beginning to realize that he's outside of his body and I'll skip the morgue and they, they, they close the thing and it gets dark and all of a sudden it's very very dark and he's like oh my gosh I think I am dead and then all of a sudden there's this big light and he's in this room and there's these three rabbis sitting at a table he can't see their faces but he could tell that they're very very holy and he's like where am I? because he didn't really know about Bez and Shemayla, and there's an angel standing there and the angel says Judah you, just ki- you were just killed in a car, a car hit, the- hit your bicycle it's judgment day He's like, Judgment Day, Well, how does that work? They're like, well, we take this big scale and we put your good deeds on one side and we put your bad deeds on the other side. And whichever one weighs more, if it weighs on the good side, then your judgment's good. If it's on the bad side, judgment's bad. He says, okay. And the three rabbis, you know, they make the decision in the end, the sentence. Guilty, not guilty, and then the sentence. Okay. All of a sudden this big angel walks out. He says, hey, Judah! I'm the defense, I'm the defending angel. You got nothing to worry about. You've been a good guy, you got nothing to worry about. We're gonna, we're gonna beat this. And then from the other side of the room comes out this huge, black, ugly looking angel. And he's like, hey, hey, Judah, I'm the Satan. See, every time you do something wrong, I'm the guy that writes it down. You are so done, you are so fried, you are so guilty, you don't have a chance. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh. Okay. Let's go. Good side. All the malachim come out when you do a good deed, depending on your feelings about the deed and how you do the deed is the size of your angel. So you create little angels. Sometimes you dab and you're thinking about business, so that angel has no head. Sometimes, yeah, so it's brought down. Sometimes you you do a a meisim tybin, but you don't really want to do it. That angel has no hands so we got all kinds of crazy looking angels we got samurai angels when it was a terrible struggle and you fought and you won we got little angels when it wasn't so hard for you and every mitzvah it's unbelievable it goes on up there every mitzvah every aveira is a different size angel you don't want to have anorexic good angels you want big huge angels so his angels start coming out he gave this guy to eat he helped his mother he did this he did that all the good angels they get on the scale their high. the scale's all the way down it's shh no, and the Defense says, okay, prosecuting turn. And he comes out and he did this wrong and he did that wrong and he did this wrong and the angels are getting on because he, he hurt this kid and he hurt that kid and he didn't let this kid play and he insulted that kid and oh, he was a like bald guy, but he was a big shot because he was a good ball player. And all these big, huge angels get on the other side. And the dark side has him by a lot. The dark side's all the way down. And the bad angel, the Sutton, says, all right, case closed, He's mine. Let's go! And the good angel said, "No, no, 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 whole time out, time out." The defense angel says, "By Jews, machshava k'maisa. When you think of doing something good, it's like you did it. You wanted to help the person, then the person disappeared. Machshava k'maisa. In the next world, if you wanted to do an avera and you didn't get to do it, it's not considered like you do an avera. It's, it's a God loves us. He's got all these fixes in the judgment because He's our dad. He's got all these tricks." Like, if you wanted to do something bad and you didn't get to do it, it doesn't count. If you wanted to do something good and didn't get to do it, it counts. Yeah, dad. So, the good angel says, all the machshavas that this boy had, all the good thoughts, but because he was from a non-religious family, he couldn't do it. All of you, come out. He had a lot of good thoughts. And all these angels get on the scale. And the scale is exactly even. did you think, on a Jewish story? Exactly even. And the Sultan says, well, even, six months in Gehenim, six months in Gan Eden, I'll take him first. And he's like, no, I don't want to go anywhere for six months like that. I don't want to go with him. But they're exactly even. And the rabbis have to passkin. him. And all of a sudden, the angel who takes care of the court case—a separate angel—starts screaming, "Wait! There's an angel coming out down the runway." Because it would come through, like in a football game, right? There's an angel, and it sounds like a big one. Doesn't need to be a big one. It just needs to get on the on the right side. And the Sutton's like, "Well, what do you think? It's one of mine. You're mine." And and the good angel is like, no, it could be one of ours. It it might be. It could be. And no one in this room can even imagine. This is it forever. Whatever they're poskening is forever, for infinite. So this is not a court case where you're getting 30 days. You can't imagine this poor Judah. He's jumping up and down. What is is it? Is it black? Is it white? What is it? He's crying. I hope it's white. I don't want to go with him. And the angel comes into the room and I'd like to wish everyone exceeded, I'm kidding, okay. <laughs> and the angel, I mean, I heard this story, I was a little boy when I heard this story in a learning, in a in a learn in camp, in a learning group. And the angel walks into the room and in the history of the Beznam Shomayla, they never saw such an angel. Half black, Half white. What? And the sultan's like, what? And the defense lawyer's like, what? And Judah runs over to the angel and says, What are you? Who are you? What are you? What side are you getting on? And the angel looks Yehudah in the eyes and he says, I don't know what I am. I am the mitzvah of shofar this Rosh Hashanah no I ran out of my Rebbe's house I didn't listen to the shofar no he's going to turn black please and the sudden's like oh the shofar the one he didn't listen to when he got on his bike and he takes his evil hands and he grabs him and he jumps up And it's not the Satham's hands It's his Rebbe's hands And his Rebbe's like Yehuda Are you screaming about? I mean I just went into the kitchen to prepare some stuff You put your head down and you're screaming Black, white No You having a nightmare? He's like What are you talking about? Rebbe, what are you talking about? He's like What are you talking about? You got a ball game to go to I just want you to they say, you know, Torah, and dip the apple in the honey. He's like, are you kidding me? I didn't go to heaven? I said, not yet. <laughs> How do I know this story? It's a crazy story. See, my learning, Rebbe, I did not want to make a, I, I ate something. I used to like Nash a lot in, in, in any class. And I was in camp and I was in a learning group. And I was eating potato chips And I didn't make a bracha And the Revi, the young guy who was my Learning group Revi said Wallerstein, you didn't make a bracha I said I know I make a lot of brachas Okay Not the end of the world He said really Let me tell you my story It was him He said Oh my God, did I listen to Shofar I went to yeshiva I never played ball again professionally or semi-professionally he said every mitzvah that you have could be that malach every mitzvah every knock on the door every word you say and it says that we come to Rosh Hashanah the scale is pretty much even so I think it started about 10 years ago I have a new mending on my table seriously come to the Wallerstein house, you'll see it, that besides the apple and the honey and all the other simonim, there's a black and white I give to each one of my kids to remember the story. One mitzvah changes your whole life. And the first time I told this to the girls, of course, they were not happy. And they said, Rabbi Wallerstein, you're not allowed to have anything on the table Rosh Hashanah that reminds you of an Avera and the black reminds you of the sins so maybe you should change your minig to a pink and white (laughs) so for the last six years on the Wallerstein table is a bunch of pink and whites (laughs) it's something to do maybe this Rosh Hashanah maybe tell your kids this story that one bracha on that bag of potato chips might be at the end of 120 years the difference between white and black and every one of us has now has a few weeks actually two weeks to Rosh Hashanah you have to think every single thing that you eat and everything that you do this is the one this is the angel that's coming down that's going to make the difference in my life I'm going to create a white one so I asked today and we baked 500 pink and whites that are outside the door and when you leave, you should take one and make a bracha. Because maybe that's just my scale and your scale, and the whole Klai scale will be, will be tipped. So, I don't want to end with such a horrifying story, but it's, it's an amazing story. It's so true. It's so true. It's every, 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 little, every little thing that we do. Every little thing that we do. So I want to end with, to tie into what, what Charlie said tonight. So if Shemim HaYehoi, the story in his days, we all know how great he was. So there was a couple, I think, I, I, someone said it's a Gemara, but I believe it's a Medrash. There was a couple who loved each other very, very much. But in those days, the halacha was, that if you didn't have children for 10 years, you had to get divorced. Because maybe the woman could have children, maybe the man could have children. Today, we don't go by that, that 10 years you have to get divorced, because we see people who are married for 12 years and 20 years and someone married for well, 26 years, that you could have children. So we don't, we don't do that anymore. But in those days, 10 years, the times of the Gemara, 10 years, you don't have children. We separated the two, at least one of them, or maybe both of them, will still have children. So these two loved each other so much. And they came to Hashimai Chai after 10 years and they said, we really don't want to get divorced. But the is we should get divorced. But we really don't want to get divorced because we really love each other. We don't think we'll ever find anyone else like this. And Mishra said, it doesn't matter. It's not up to you. The man's mitzvah is to have children. You have to get divorced. Tomorrow morning, we're going to set up a bezin, You should get divorced. But, tonight, tonight, the night before you get divorced, I want you to make a su'udah, a big party. Sa'uda's is Separation party. That sounds pretty sick, right? Getting divorced, they're going to make a party. but." Rav Shmuel was Rav Shmuel so they had no choice. So that's what they did. They went home. She cooked up his favorite meal, and they're going to have a party the night before they're going to get divorced. And she cooks up this meal, and the two of them are sitting there sobrachin and crying. And he's, she's giving him wine to drink, you know. And and the next morning, that's it. It's over for the two of them. They'll never be together again. And they really loved each other. And he's getting a little drunk. And the, the rules in those days—not today, don't worry—the rules in those days: if you got divorced, the man kept the house and all the metallic limb, all the movable objects. The woman, when she got divorced, would go back to her father's house with her jewelry and her clothing, and that's it. He kept everything else. And he's a little bit tipsy, so he turns to her and he says, listen, I know it's not really the halacha, but because I love you so much, you, besides your jewelry and your clothing, when you go to your father's house tomorrow morning, you could take anything from this house that you want. Whatever you love the most, silver a painting, whatever you want, the most precious thing, I'm giving it to you. Even though I'm not supposed to, I'm giving it to you. Okay, he gets drunk, he falls asleep. It's an unbelievable maizam. She goes to the yeshiva, they get five guys, they take his bed, he's sleeping on his bed, they carry him through the street, and they take him with his bed and bring it to her father's house. The next morning, this is not a wife's tale, this is for The next morning, he wakes up, he's like, what am I doing here? I'm supposed to be in my house, what am I doing here? She said, you made a deal. So, what deal? You said that I could take the most precious thing that I have in the house with me and that's you So now you can't give me a divorce because you, you will be breaking your word he's like we have to go back to Rav Bai so they went back to Rav Bai and they came back to Rav Shemba said, he said what are you doing here he's supposed to be in business he's supposed to be getting divorced he said I got, I got a problem we made this deal she picked me I'm the most precious thing in the house I don't know what to do the it says, began to cry hysterically. Rav began to cry hysterically for a long time. Finally, he stopped and he looked at the two of them. He said, Go home, stay married. Next year, at this time, I promise you, you'll have a child. ba he said. The Rachimim opened up in Shemayim. Wow. And the next year, they had a child. But he turned to Rav Shimbayechai and he asked Rav Shimbayechai, he said, why were you crying? And Rav Shimon said I'm crying because such love between two people that she chose you as the most precious thing in her house. Why doesn't Klai Yisrael choose Hashem as the most precious thing in his house? In this world. Why aren't we really like this woman? where Hashem says you could have one thing and we're like, we want money, we want health we come Rosh Hashanah, you want to give me I want this, I want this, I want this and it ties into exactly and I didn't know what he was speaking about tonight at all and it comes Rosh Hashanah and we're asking for the furniture for the silver, for the painting for life, for this, for that instead of being like this woman and saying, the most precious thing I want is you And Rosh Hashanah cried for Klai Yisroel. And he cried for the world. That two human beings could love each other so much. And us who are created by Hashem can't give him that love. We can't stand on Rosh Hashanah and say, The most precious thing is nothing but you. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Rosh Hashanah is all about telling Hashem that if there's one thing I want to take from this world, it's not money, it's not family, it's nothing It's you And it's not a new thought That Charlie had or that I had Or that Rav Shimon Bar-Yichoy had And we'll end with this quote In Shir Ashirim. There's a very sad peric In Shir Ashirim where it talks about Hashem comes, he knocks on the door And we say we're too busy We're tired, we don't want to come to the door And we're having a good time We're in bed we're having good times. We don't want Hashem when we're having good times. But then all of a sudden bad times happen. And we get up. And now we need Hashem. It's coming Rosh Hashanah. Oh my gosh. Like Charlie said, we need all these things. So what happens? Listen carefully. We come to our Kodesh Baruch Hu And we say to him, I need, I need, I need, I need. But he's not there. I just want to read it from inside. I took off my... I'm in bed. I'm 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 comfortable. I can't come out. I can't I can't I can't I can't open the door for you, Hashem. And what happens? It says that the Satan and all this chaver come and they beat us and they hurt us. I'm looking for you, Hashem. Today I met with some girls. Yesterday I met with some girls. And they're like, I don't have God in my life. This happened already in Shiraz, Shiraz. Because she' I'm looking for you. I can't find you. It's an answer. it's a question that everyone asks. How do you find God, Robert Wallstein? I don't feel him. I feel he abandoned me. How do you find God? I said... I'll tell you how to find God. Shir Hashim tells us. I look for Him and I can't find Him. I'm calling Him and He doesn't answer me. I, I, I'm doubting for a shidduch. I'm doubting for children. I'm doubting for a He doesn't answer me. What's wrong? This is so true. And the, the, the shayim, the satan and the whole world who surround me, right? They find that I'm weak. They find that I'm calling Hashem and I don't hear Him. So what do they do? Hikuni, they hit me. Patsuni. They take our children off the derech. They take them down terrible roads. They hurt us. What happens? Naseu day. They take off our crowns. They take off the beauty of being a Jew. The world sees that we're weak. The world sees that we're calling out. We're not getting answered. They take our Judaism away. They take our, they take our self away. So Shlomo what should you do? Hishbati, Hishbati Eschem Yushalayim. I swear to you, the daughters of Yushalayim, in as Ezdayvi, if you find the one I love, If you find Hashem, tell him one thing. In Timtsuzdaidi Matagidullah, what should you tell him? Should you tell him I need a good year? Should you tell him I need a shirach? Should you tell him I need a panasa? Should you tell him I need peace? Should you tell him we need Iran to go fall into the ocean? Should you tell him what should you tell him? It's Rosh Hashanah, what should I tell him? Tell him one thing. I think it's also three words. You should tell them the following. When you're in trouble and you feel lost and you don't feel you have Hashem, tell them one thing. I am sick. Hashem, you know why I'm sick? Not because I don't have money. Not because I have a disease. Not because I have low self esteem. Not because I have whatever my problems are. You know why I'm sick? I'm sick in love with you. was the last time anyone in this room including me finished your Shema and said God I'm sick you know why I'm sick not because my stomach or my head hurts because I'm in love with you because you're the only thing in the room that I want I don't care about anything else I want you that's what you need to say that's what Shlomo the tells us we need to stand in front of a Kosh Baruch of Rosh Hashanah Hashem I am so sick. I'm in love with you and I need you and I want you and the whole world is saying that you don't exist and they're going against your rules and they're doing your to evos. Hashem, I love you so much and they're hurting you so much it hurts me. Says <speaking in> Rav <Hebrew> If the kala of the wife picks Hashem as the most precious thing in this world go home you don't need to get divorced you'll have children if Klay who's Lakala this Rosh Hashanah chooses Hashem then we will go back home with Him together and see the fruits of our labor if I bet you all that the only sickness in your life from now on should be a sickness of being in love with God. You should have a and on your way out, they're just little ones, didn't have time to bake big ones. Take a pink and white. Make a is muzainis. That might be the bracha that will take you over the scale in Hashem this year, and in turn Take the whole role over the scale. I just want to tell you that we're going to 13 places. Chicago's the place. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.